Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot of people don't realize the first Women's World Cup was in 1991. Why? And why was it actually called the FIFA World Championship for the M&M's Cup? To find out, you'd have to ask Sepp Blatter, which is exactly what Sports Illustrated did. On Sports Illustrated's new podcast, Throwback, find out how one team of Americans changed women's sports forever. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Kendra Scott has the jewelry you've been searching for with high style quality gifts at an affordable price. They even have a great selection of gifts under $100, plus free shipping, free returns, and free gift wrapping. Use code directionally for 20% off your purchase of any full price fashion jewelry at kendrascott.com or mention the code directionally in any Kendra Scott store. That's directionally at kendrascott.com for 20% off your purchase. Valid until July 10th. Hey guys, it's Candace and Kayla, and we are directionally challenged. We thought we would know every single thing to know in the entire universe by the time we were in our 30s. But guess what? We, we don't. Damn it, we don't. At all. Well, stay tuned because today we have our live episode that we are airing with our guest, Elsa Collins. We just wanted to thank you guys all so much for coming. It means so much that you came from near and far. Thank you to the bungalows, like Fairmont, for hosting. Yes, thank right. you, bungalow. Thank you, guys. Well, <laughs> um, yeah, we've we've been recording um, in in my living room for the past year. We've uh, been we've started this venture about eight, eight months ago we started this podcast and so if you've listened to it before thank you so much we were so scared to put ourselves out there and try something new and get out of our comfort zone so thank you for supporting that and uh and growing with our growing pains yes. and uh speaking of growing pains this is our first live episode yes thank you guys <laughs> well 
We tried. We tried really hard. We tried so hard. Okay, here's the deal. We had an incredibly successful first live show. Thank you guys so much, everyone who was able to come and make it. Thank you, Elsa. Thank you, Melissa, our producer and our editor. Unfortunately, it just didn't work out. Uh, The sound quality did not come through. We wanted to make sure that you guys really got the full experience of this conversation that we had with Elsa about This Is About Humanity. It was such a powerful conversation that we're like, you know what, let's just do this again. Let's start over, let's sit down with Elsa. And we're talking about a lot of the same topics that we brought up that night. We have a lot of the same questions and we just kind of wanted to have a more personal conversation, a deeper dive in some of these issues. And we wanted to give you guys the best opportunity to really be able to listen and absorb the conversation that we were having because we felt it was really important. You guys, so Elsa was raised on both sides of the border um, in San Diego and Tijuana, Mexico. Both of her parents were born in Mexico. She is the last of five children. She's a first-generation college graduate receiving her BA in communications and master's degree in sociology from Stanford University. She then pursued a Juris Doctorate from Columbia Law School. She is the co-founder of the Idea Tour. She is on the board of Alliance for a Healthier Generation and an ambassador for the Good Plus Foundation. When she heard about the news of the young children being detained and separated from their parents, Elsa, along with her sister, said that we have to do something. So they took their experience in social impact and border issues, and they started This Is About Humanity. And This Is About Humanity is a movement whose main goal is to help those affected at the border through education and donation efforts. They work to identify those in need, and then they help fill that need. So basically, Elsa's a badass, She's guys. basically superwoman. And without further ado, here is Elsa Collins. Elsa, we are so glad that you are back with us. Our live episode was a huge success, but this will be even better. <laughs> yep, second time is the charm. Who knows? Maybe we just might scrap this one and make you come back over again so we can hang out with you more. <laughs> Anytime I'm available, I will for sure show up. <laughs> so what um, we love so much about you is that, you know, when most people want to try and volunteer for something, they, they you know, want to sign up for an organization, but you started your own. You literally just boots on the ground started your own tell us what made you want to start this is about humanity um I think what I was I honestly there was no conscious idea that I was going to start something I think when the family separation crisis really started to come out in the news I was you know probably like everyone feeling somewhat paralyzed um but that only lasted a minute. And I was trying to figure out, okay, what is the best way that I can use the gifts that I have? And having grown up along the border, on both sides of the border, um, I had reached out to my sister and I had told her, you know, I want to start a donation collection for these kids because I wanted to make sure that people who were feeling activated were going to have a a specific place to land and they were really going to be able to you know make the actions that they were doing have a result and so it honestly had started out as a donation collection and um, along with my sister Yolanda and Zoe Winkler um, who had reached out we sort of just put a call out for items and I soon had my own Amazon warehouse (laughs) it was like a fire hazard I mean I can't even explained to you how many boxes you know we were everyone was kind of like crawling over I mean we ended up collecting like 500 boxes which was amazing and so when I saw that people were engaged even just when you gave them something to do I literally talked to Zoe and Yuan I said do you think people would be interested in learning about what's happening and so really that's just kind of how this is about humanity started it's really a movement that's what I call it um that Um, it's a community where people, uh, find a place to engage and find a way to really, um, make the actions their own. And just based on that, people have figured out what are their own individual ways that they might activate, you know, after coming on a trip or learning and then deciding, you know, I'm going to take pictures or I'm going to, you know, so everyone is, is, is taking some inspiration about what they can do personally, which is amazing. You're giving people a space and to give back you're giving people a direction of uh, like I don't know how to help well here's exactly how to help and you're 
making it easier, I think, where sometimes it can be a little confusing with hashtags or, I mean, even when obviously this is a completely different issue, but when there were fires in California last year, I remember everyone was like, just wanted to send things to help the firefighters, which was amazing. But then it, you'd, you'd go to a fire office and then they'd say, well, we, we can't take anymore. You have to go somewhere else. And it can all kind of get a little confusing on how to give back sometimes because the internet is so quick and so big and it was wonderful that you give and have continued to give people the space of exactly where to go and how to help. Uh, were you surprised when you saw the news of family separation? I feel like I can assume what your answer is, but... There had been people who had been detained, but we had never really started separating families until more recently. But it had been happening and it just hadn't been in the news. And the way the news cycle works right now, you know, it'll things will filter in and out very quickly. And so um, I wasn't surprised, but I was definitely just disappointed. And you flew to Texas to protest. Yes. <laughs> and what was that experience like? Because that was very early on before this is about humanity. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I, you know, the family separation crisis starts to hit the news and I am involved with a nonpartisan organization called Voto Latino, which encourages um, Hispanics to get out and vote and actually everyone to get out and vote, really. And so they were hosting a rally um, outside of El Paso in Tornillo where they were uh, considering building tent cities for these kids. And so, you know, in, in looking for my own way before this is about humanity to engage, I said, OK, I'm going to fly to El Paso. I'm going to take this bus to Tornillo. I'm going to get out there and I'm just going to say this is not OK. Right. And so in, in this world, even just taking that action, buying the ticket and doing the whole thing made me feel very empowered. So I flew to Texas. I went to this rally and it was amazing and the people were there and they were, you know, just saying this is not okay. And, and when you do it in a group, you feel like, wow, there are other like-minded people. And so on the flight back was when I was like, gosh, I know I just flew all the way to Texas to do that, but I grew up on the border so much closer and I know that there are things that we can be doing where I can engage with people in my network so much closer. And so that sort of spearheaded and inspired me to say like, okay, what can I do closer to me? And what I love so much about This Is About Humanity is it's not political and you work so hard to make sure that it's not. Um, tell us how you came up with the name. So um, on the first uh, bus trip to the border to learn more about what was happening, someone um, had asked, you know, well, what are the statistics of, about, you know, the administration and and they were kind of wanting to, to go down that road. And so I said, you know, this is not uh, a trip about politics. You know, that's we can discuss that on at a different time. I said, this is really a humanitarian uh, crisis. And one of the girls on the bus had actually gone to Texas with me. I had said, let's go. And she had gone. And oddly enough, um, at that rally in Texas, I had made a sign saying this is about humanity protesting, you know, when I was saying like, this is about humanity. And so the girl on the bus was like, you should call it this is about humanity, like that sign you made. And I was like, oh, my God, that's the most craziest <laughs> thing ever. And so, of course, you're like, get the Instagram, do this, you know, <laughs> like trying to do everything at once. Lock so, down those socials. <laughs> yes. I mean, this world. Um, but really, that's the goal. The goal is you know, families are families and that has nothing to do with politics. And and this is really a humanitarian crisis that we're facing right now. And, and people want to make it political. Um, and there are some people who do that. And I want to keep it in the humanitarian realm. Speaking of families, you were one of five, the youngest of five. And you guys grew up in Tijuana. Will you talk to us a little bit about what that was like? Yeah, I mean, you know, growing up on the border back then is so different than now. And I know both of you guys have been um, to the border and it was so seamless when I was younger. You know, you would live in Tijuana, but you would go to the movies in San Diego or you'd go to the supermarket or you would live in San Diego and you'd go to, you know, Ensenada for lobster. And so it was it was such a um, ease of flow of traffic and and ideas. And so I definitely grew up for sure bicultural, you know, um, thinking, yeah, I love sports and I'm American and all these other things. And then at the same time, like, oh, I'm super Mexican and like, you know, the Mexican culture and wanting to sort of be like proper. And because you were born in San Diego. Yeah. And then at what point did you move to Tijuana? When I was four. 
And whose idea was that? That was my parents. Yeah. <laughs> I was four. And so I was crossing the border every day to go to school. That's another thing, you know. So it was um, when I was in elementary school, I was in elementary school in San Diego and I was crossing the border every day. And then eventually I, I was, um, I went to junior high in Mexico and sort of had a, a, a awakening as to, you know, difference in schooling and how people think and what what is the role of a, war, a woman, a girl, and sort of, you know, seeing how different societies treat women and what expectations are. Um, I mean, I tell this story all the time. When I was in junior high, you know, we had to take typing classes with like a, an old school typewriter, like it weighed like, I don't know, 30 pounds. And you would go there and because they were literally training you to be secretaries. And so, by the way, I'm like the most amazing typist. I can type <laughs> very fast now. I don't regret that. But, you know, and then eventually in high school, I went back to San Diego. And, and so, you know, being able to go back and forth and, and seeing and taking things that I like from both cultures. Did you appreciate it at the time? You know, I was m probably not. I was definitely, you know, when you have to leave your friends and make new friends and a new culture and a new world, you know, you think everyone's against you. It's like, my mom's making me do this, you know, or whatnot. <laughs> um, but now, I mean, that's part of what has equipped me to do what we're doing right now with This Is About Humanity is understanding the cultural differences, how people think on both sides of the border and, and those things. So obviously, in hindsight, you think, wow, everything in my life has led me to this moment, you know. Mm. Was volunteering a part of your childhood when you were living in Tijuana or even before that when you were in San Diego? Yeah, I mean, my mom was like a professional volunteer. Basically, she, you know, was always volunteering for like hospitals and cancer and and always giving back. And, and so it was always very much a part of my DNA and I was always seeing her do it. And now, you know, I have three kids who are 10, 8, and 6 and, and I feel like, you know, they're, it's the same thing. That cycle continues. They see me getting ready for bus trips or collecting items to donate or going and marching somewhere or whatnot. And that's very much a part of their DNA now. So I'm so grateful for that. Isn't that funny when you grow when you're growing up and you see your parents be a certain way and you're like, oh, gosh, mom or dad. And then and then you're that age and you're like, whoa, <laughs> I know there's like I mean, <laughs> Kayla, you'll be in this position soon. But I remember there was like a couple things that I like swore I would never do. Like I was like, I'm never going to do that when I become a parent. One of which was this very annoying habit my mom used to have, which was, you know, if anything ever happened, like my brother and I were in a fight or he'd make me like pick up the dog poo when it was like his turn and I'd like come running like, ma, like, you know, Charles made me do this. And she's like, I didn't see it. And I was like, well, what, what do you mean if you didn't see it? I mean, it, I'm telling you it literally happened. And and she would like refuse to adjudicate anything that she had not seen with her own two eyes. But now that I have three kids and they're getting into all sorts of things, I'm like, well, if I didn't see it. And it's like the most amazing thing that I use all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Have you started to have a conversation with your kids about what is happening at the border? Yeah. I mean, I think that like, you know, one of the main things that people ask me all the time is, you know, how do you have these difficult conversations with your children, right? Like my children are multiracial. My husband's black. I'm Mexican and he's actually black and Native American. Um, and so, you know, everything about race and whatnot. I mean, those conversations, these difficult conversations are ones that we have very early on. Um, and I remember um, Jaron, my husband used to always say like, you know, we need to have the talk with the kids, you know, in the African-American community, like the talk is is very important. Um, you know, he's someone who... By the talk, what do you mean? I mean, the talk about being black and being black in America, you know. Um, he's When we first started dating, we would go to restaurants and and we would sit down and I'd be like, what am I going to order? And he'd be like, there are two black people here. And I'd be like, oh, okay. I guess we've we've assessed the room. They're only, okay, got it. <laughs> taking you know, the census. <laughs> yes, taking the census of the room. But like, I didn't really at that age grow up in America. So like, I, I'm I was unaware of those things. And so... I was always very, um, you know, like, I think they're a little young. And, you know, that's like a very common sentiment, like they're too young and whatnot. And so um, after 2016, I remember at the time my daughter was five and she um, was at school and she came home one day and she said that someone at school had asked her, you know, when was she going to go on the other side of the wall? And I was like, I... I have no words. And that was like a very, and so I got home and I was like, we need to talk to the kids. And Jeremy was like, uh-huh. Yeah. I've been waiting for you to come to that realization. So anyway, so we've had these difficult conversations about 
growing up multiracial and what that means and and whatnot. Um, you know, because if I don't have that conversation with them, someone else will inform them on on that issue, and I'd rather have it be me. And so, um, you know, to specifically to what's happening on the border, um, you know, obviously in an age appropriate way, you know, it's important to empower them to feel empathy. And the only way that you can really teach children to feel empathy is to help them imagine what what it would feel like, right? So, you know, they know what's happening at the border, that families have been separated, that kids are without their parents. And so we'll talk about, you know, can you imagine how that would feel? And I'm not trying to scare them. I'm trying to equip them so that they can understand and know what is okay and what is not okay. Mm -hmm. So they know what's going on. Did you ever experience anything like what your daughter experienced when you were growing up? Yeah, I mean, um, there's one very specific memory that I have um, when someone found out that I lived in Mexico. I was in San Diego at the time, like at a sleepover, and someone found out that I lived in Mexico, and they were like, wait, what? Like, do you have a house there? Like, it was a very interesting experience. Like, they assumed, I don't know, that there were no houses in Mexico or, like, people lived like in a you know obviously there's different situations that you can live in but it was kind of the first time that I thought like oh like someone thinks being from Mexico is like bad or or something like that so that was like um but you know I only experienced that when I was in the states in Mexico there isn't really there's not necessarily a lot of racism but there's definitely classism so there's a whole different slew of issues, but that was like the first time that I was like, ooh, being Mexican might be bad or some people might think it's bad. Have you brought your your kids down to the border to see what's going on? You know, um, yes, they've they've come to the border to see what's going on, obviously, again, like in an age-appropriate way. And, you know, um, they send cards for the kids and they help organize, you know, any donations that we have. And so they're they're really involved in terms of, of giving back in the way that they can. I've heard you talk about raising other people discussing raising their kids colorblind. And will you talk to us about what the the issue is with that? Yeah. I mean, that's really a, a common idea where people feel like they're, they're the right way to raise, especially people who, you know, are white and not a person of color think like, oh, you know, the best way to like avoid my kid being racist is to just not even talk about race or color that way. They'll just be like totally great. Um, and as I said prior, you know, this, the whole system is, is set up with racial inequalities already built in. Right. And so if you don't say anything, you're actually just reinforcing the ones, you know, the inequities that already exist. So it's really important, you know, to say like, this person's black, you're white, this person's Mexican, they're Asian. I mean, there are different races and it's all okay. And we have a community and, and to expose your kids to that so that they don't think that's like the other, you know, because you might think that you're not saying anything, but they're already building in these ideas, whether it's teachers, friends, other parents who don't think like you. So like, if you want to set the tone for what's happening and how you want your kids to be growing up, then you need to be the one that's informing them. Could you inform us a little bit more about how – I want to go back to your first trip down to the border and to the detention centers or detainment centers um, when you had all those 500 Amazon boxes. <laughs> I can't imagine that you just strolled up and were like, hey, guys, I'm basically Santa here to bring all these all these things to help. Um, is there – what was that process like? Um, well, I would not imagine it was easy. I mean, well, listen, as I said, I – I thought I was going to like throw some things in my trunk. I mean, literally that was the idea that I had. Clearly that didn't happen because there were so many boxes. We actually had to get someone to donate a U-Haul, like a 25-foot U-Haul, and two people to help load it. And so um, that quickly became like uh, it's a project in and of itself. So we had someone help us load the boxes and then, um, you know, we delivered them. And But where did you, did you have an address? How did you find out? Yeah, I mean. Because was it really, I mean, it, everything felt tense at the time. And yeah. still continues to feel that way. Yeah, everything still feels <laughs> very tense. Yes, we, we actually distributed it amongst three different organizations that were involved um, with these kids. You know, the Chicano Federation was one of them. The ACLU was one of them. And Casa Cornelia, which is a nonprofit 
legal services also, in addition to the shelter that we delivered them to. So, you know, everyone had their own kind of needs. A lot of times, um, especially amongst the pro bono legal community, they want comfort care backpacks, right? Depending on what is happening in everyone's personal cases, they are walking away with nothing, you know? Um, and so whether it's, you know, toiletries or a change of socks, you know, shoelaces, a lot of people have walked, you know, 2000 miles and like you lose your shoelaces, you know, I mean, it sounds bizarre, but that's honestly like a very um, high request uh, on the list. Um, and so, you know, and, and other um, shelters wanted like soccer balls and things for kids to play with, like nail polish and things to keep them sort of like, you know, to help them hold on to their humanity, really. I mean, that's really what we're trying to do right now is to, is I feel like we all are going to decide, are we going to, you know, link arms and hold hands and say like, this is where we draw the line and this is where humanity needs to step in or are we going to break that chain and, you know, I don't know where that would take us. The last trip we took, which was I think was last week to the border, uh, we heard a family tell us about their journey and I think it had been seven or eight days of them traveling and being I mean just going through the most unbelievable um things and the one thing that helped them through it was getting a shower at the end of eight days but then they discussed having to put their exact clothes that they'd traveled in for eight days back on and so it's something as simple as that like just donating a shirt or donating shoelaces, you're right, that makes a world of difference for them. And to hear, I mean, it was heartbreaking. Everyone was in, in tears. And to, it was so brave of them to share their story with us. And um, that was really, really impactful. And I think every time we go down to the border, the trip is different. And we learn more. And the conversation changes. And that's why we're having this podcast. That's why we're having you on, is to keep this conversation going. Because things are changing. People are trying to help. People are not trying to help, but we're trying to propel it forward. So that's all a part of it. Something I found uh, really interesting when I was fortunate enough to travel down with you a few weeks back was that it wasn't as simple as being able to bring things in um, and just how there we were able to cross the border to meet with all these um, really brave, brave souls who were willing to share their stories of the most traumatic events of their life um, and that there you have to cross the border to really kind of purchase these things to help them out like the all the bed sheets that we were able to change for you know the mattresses at one of the shelters were purchased across the border in Mexico um, so that is something something to think about um, if you do want to help when organizations are asking for f financial support uh, that that's where some of those finances are going and because you can't just roll up with a U-Haul full of things. That's not really how it works to cross the border right now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so difficult. Um, you know, the situation just, as you said, is very complicated. Um, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. And I think, you know, you guys both have alluded to kind of the most important thing, which is, you know, when you hear a story and you hear a mom or you hear, um, a woman who's, you know, traverse some very difficult circumstances, you know, you can't help but think, you know, what would I do in that position? You know, what would I do for my family? What are the things that you are willing to do to, um, to either escape some very brutal and dangerous circumstances? Um, and so, you know, I think that's one of the most important things is to realize that these are people, you know, and that they're just like you and I and, just by luck of, you know, the geographic lottery, we're in a better in a better situation than they are. Because that's not what you see on the news. You don't you don't really know about the political issues for the LGBTQ community in some of these South American countries and why they're leaving and and the gangs and how how there's no escaping. They they have to flee. And even you've talked about a lot about displacement from the fact of global warming, you know, how are people supposed to work the farms and, and make a living in their country if, if it's all gone? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, is a lot of times, as you said, like people are like, well, I don't really care about like what's happening at the border. I don't really care about immigration because like, that's not really my issue. But as you said, like, if you 
care about the environment and climate change, you know, we're going to have a lot of displaced climate change refugees. It's really going to increase unless we figure out, like, what are we doing to our planet? You know, if you um, are, you know, concerned about LGBTQ rights, I mean, some of the most serious dangers exist in these Central American countries where you could be killed just by being who you are. And so it's it's really a, a very... Um, you know, just intense situation. And I feel like it's a, it's really a microcosm of like all the things that are sort of happening in this world. And when you feel so overwhelmed and you're like, oh my gosh, where do I look left, look right? Like, where do I even start? You know? And, and I think you guys are great examples of just like trying to educate yourselves more about what the issue is so that you can just sort of say like, I, I know what's going on and this is how I feel about this specific situation. And I think a lot of times people like don't know where to get their news or they don't know, see things on the... I mean, on either side. Yeah. I mean, it was so heartbreaking even learning about... I remember that heartbreaking Time magazine cover yeah. and then learning that that's not what the story w was. And it's just like, where can you turn? Where yeah. can you turn to hear the truth of what's going on? And that's what was so wonderful about being able to go with this is about humanity to hear. I mean, I remember hearing even just a young woman talking about her experience. And I think she was staying in the LGBTQ shelter and, and how she had to escape a gang that said, you're either ours and you belong to us and, or, or that's it, or we kill you and your family. And she had nowhere else to go. And a lot of the people that we met were not from Mexico. And that's another thing that kind of gets lost, um, lost in a lot of these clickbait headlines. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is, is when you, when you're just trying to get people to, um, to react, you, you're going to really keep information away. You're just going to, going to, go for the thing that's going to make people either get scared or, or freak out or, you know, feel a certain type of way. And so I think that, um, you know, I was reading today, there was a study that um, Twitter is actually making people less intelligent, um, literally. And, um, you know, and so it's so easy in this world to to think that you can learn something in, in a, in a 280-character, you know, little sliver of information and where is the background? Where where is the history of what's happening in this country and so and in other countries that are very nearby? You know, we think that we can insulate ourselves, we can build a wall, and that's going to be the best protection. But at the end of the day, as you both have seen, there already is a wall, and it, it's not really working. And so we need to think more nuanced about immigration reform. We need to come up with solutions where everyone can buy in that are real solutions. I mean, at the end of the day. The population in the United States is getting older. Birth rates are going down. We actually don't have enough people to work the jobs that we like. We need immigrants. I mean, that's really the truth. We need immigrants to work the jobs that people don't want to work here in the United States. And that's kind of just a fact of life. And that's okay. That's okay to say. Um, and so, you know, but if we don't know all these different things that are playing into such a complicated issue, it's easy to say, like, I'm scared and, and this is what's mine and I need to protect it. And, and we're definitely f allowing that sentiment to grow larger and larger. And then, you know, we're going to find our, ourselves in a, in a difficult situation in a little bit. So so where do we find our news then? What's the best place to find, uh, to stay educated, but not necessarily, I mean, I, I find it's really hard to find something that's not bipartisan, uh, that's bipartisan. It not is bipartisan. Part that's not partisan. That's, that's not, partisan. not partisan. Yes. <laughs> it's I one find of the partisans. <laughs> we are directionally challenged, folks. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a combination. You have to, um, you, you kind of have to get a little bit from everywhere. You know, reading print is, is important. Um, you know, there's obviously some great, uh, you know, Axios, which is supposed to be a, or is a nonpartisan news outlet which sends a newsletter every day you know i find myself watching msnbc and then i'll turn on fox news i want to know how they're actually saying the other side because i think that's also really important you know there was a i mean not to get too political but there was a, a republican congressman who has started to just kind of speak out a little bit and he held a town hall the other day in michigan and a woman um you know said that she had never heard anything negative about the administration in the last two years. And so 
that was interesting. And you think, okay, well, where is she looking? And she might only be looking in one direction, you know? And then, so I think it's important, again, for everyone to look in different directions for news um, and to try to, to read as much as you can and, you know, not go for the clickbait and to see what other people are saying. You know, I think it's important to listen to all people. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae and they are both so <laughs> delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix my favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGED right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. 
An Aura smart frame selected as one of Oprah's favorite things is the perfect gift for parents who are constantly asking you to send more photos. With Aura, you can instantly share photos from your phone's camera roll to their frame. It's magical. Set it so a new family photo appears every time mom walks into the room, instantly brightening their day. Invite your siblings to share photos too since it allows for unlimited family photo sharing and can hold an unlimited amount of memories. Create your own private social network that will help you stay in touch and keep you connected to your loved ones, even if you're miles apart. The seamless tech means a simple, stress-free setup. Plus, it comes in a range of styles, from modern to classic and wood. I love the idea of being able to just share family photos instantly because, I mean, to be able to know that my mom's going to walk into the kitchen and then see a new photo, that would be amazing. And it's not just hiding on your phone. It's out so everybody can see and enjoy all of these amazing family photos. So head to AuraFrames.com and use offer code CHALLENGED at checkout for $50 off. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Offer code CHALLENGED with a D for $50 off. OpenFit, a brand new, super simple streaming service that takes all of the complexity out of losing weight and getting fit. Everyone's bodies are different, and OpenFit gets that, which is why it's personalized to your needs with custom-tailored original content. Not to mention, with OpenFit, you can work out anywhere in as little as 10 minutes a day using your computer, web-enabled TV, tablet, smartphone, or Roku. I love any sort of fitness app that allows you to work out with any gear because if I'm traveling or moving around or I need to squeeze in like a good little 10 minute sweat sesh, I don't want to have to worry about collecting weights or a rubber band, even though those are options as well. That's so true. So OpenFit has changed the way that we work out. And if you can use the code challenge, you can join us on a fitness journey personalized just for you. Again, use promo code challenged and start using OpenFit for your journey to a healthier life. Right now during the open fit 30 day challenge our listeners get a special extended 30 day free trial membership where you can lose up to 15 pounds in 30 days just text challenged to 30 30 30 that's 30 30 30 and you will get full access to all of open fits workouts and nutrition information for free again that's challenged to 30 30 30 standard message and data rates may apply own iconic luxury items at unreal values with The Real Real, the leading reseller of authenticated luxury from top designers. Shop from designers like Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Rolex, Cartier, and hundreds more at up to 90% off retail. What? New arrivals come in daily, and every single item is authenticated by The Real Real's team of experts. In fact, The Real Real employs over 100 brand authenticators, gemologists, horologists, and art curators from around the globe who inspect thousands of items each day to ensure that every item is 100% authentic. Shop and consign women's and men's luxury fashion as well as fine jewelry, watches, art, and a home. Shop online, visit one of their stores in Soho or West Hollywood, or visit one of their luxury consignment offices in Chicago, Dallas, Miami, San Francisco, and Washington, D.C. New customers receive an automatic $25 off at checkout. I love therealreal.com. I think there's a store in West Hollywood that's right by me, and I can't even tell you how many times I drive by and I'm like, I have to go in. And then once I do go in, it's the most amazing product. Well, you know I love to be a bargain shopper. Mm -hmm. I love buying high-quality things at reasonable prices, and that's exactly what The Real Real does. You can buy that purse that you've had your eye on for months and months and months that you've saved for and know that you're getting it for a great price from an authenticated source. Shop in-store, online, or download the app and get 20% off select items with promo code REAL. That's therealreal.com, promo code REAL for 20% off select items. back one of the things i loved so much about the bus ride down is that it, we felt free enough to ask the questions that other people may not want to ask and i think that's part of why people aren't educated about this is because we're too afraid to ask those questions to you know appear stupid or whatever the case may be so i think we want to ask or you have you, it come out wrong or have it come out wrong yeah <laughs> yeah um so we want to ask you a few questions and if you can answer them openly with us okay let us try my best <laughs> So um, I, I want to ask the question I asked in our live show in the same way because you corrected me very wonderfully and I appreciate that because I feel like I learned uh, something. And what I asked was, what's the difference between an asylum seeker and someone who crosses the border illegally? 
I love that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, So the most important thing right now is really what is the narrative that's out there? Um, And a lot of times um, the narrative is, you know, this illegal alien, these illegal people coming into the country illegally, and they should do it the right way, you know, getting in line. There's a lot of these kind of like you know, um, little short terms that people love to throw around. And really, the first thing to know is that seeking asylum is legal and it's an internationally recognized right to seek asylum. Um, and so I think people think that when people are requesting asylum, that's actually like an illegal way to try to come into this country. The second point to make is that no person is illegal. You know, that is not a term that we. Um, should use with human beings. They might be undocumented. They might not have the documents that they need to start a process of asylum. And so those are um, undocumented. And so what's happening is when you present yourself for asylum, you should be able to present yourself at a port of entry. But what's happening right now is we're not accepting asylum seekers at the port of entry. So then what ends up happening is that people start to enter in between points of entry. And so that's really, um, you know, kind of the the difference. But I think that people, you know, when you start to call people illegal or you start to say those types of terms, you, you slowly, and this, and the news does it all the time, you start to take away a little bit of the humanity. Oh, they're illegal. So like nothing's gonna, you know, they get hurt that's like okay because they're illegal they're not really people and so i think that you we slowly have started to become desensitized to some of those terms um and and i think it's important to to start to say no these are people and they're seeking their legal right for asylum and and that's that is a right way to try to do it yeah what do they think of us i mean Honestly, people, um, they're so appreciative that people care. I mean, I think that's that's really important is, you know, when you guys have come down to the border, um, you know, they, the, telling the stories are is, is hard. Telling their story is hard, but they're so grateful that anybody cares, you know, and they feel like, um, you know, some people feel like along the way there have been angels that have gotten them to this point and, truly, you know, us just witnessing and listening and being with them is a validation of that, of who they are. And so, um, you know, I think they're not unaware that there is obviously some negative um, feelings out there, but I think that, you know, um, I think they see the humanity in, in the people who are trying to help. And as you guys have seen, you know, there are people who are running shelters, you know, without government assistance, all with volunteers or with people who have donated their time or money. And so, you know, if there's one thing that I've learned in this situation is that like the power of humanity is strong and that there are people who are willing to give of their, as my sister says, time, treasure, or talent. And, um, and that's really reaffirming. I mean, it's kind of what keeps me going. If no one was showing up saying, what can I do? I'd be like, well, I guess that movement was over, but it, it continues. So I'm grateful for that. Why would it be difficult for people to enter, to go through the process legally of applying to live in the United States? Yeah, I mean, obviously there's um, there's a couple different issues, which is one, the main one which I mentioned, which is documentation. Obviously, seeking asylum is a very complicated process. You need legal assistance, so that's the first thing. The barrier to um, to many things is is money, and if you don't have money, you have to find someone who would take your case on pro bono to do it. Um, and then you also need to prove a couple of things. So when you seek asylum, you need to have a fear of persecution of what you left in your home country. So whether you're part of a, a vulnerable community, like an LGBTQ member, whether you were subjected to violence, like, you know, you we were talking about the gangs earlier. And so that that there is a burden of proof on that. You know, did you have a, a newspaper article that talked about something that had happened to you? Did you have you know, you need to have proven these things. And so it um, it does require documents. If you left and you fled in the middle of the night, I mean, some people come with no shoes. You think they remembered to bring like papers and and on a 2000 mile trek, like how did, did everything make it with you? And so I think that that's, um, those are all sort of complicated things that um, are involved when you're 
trying to seek asylum and and there's a long line you know um there is definitely a long line and so it's it's heartbreaking because you know these are people who are risking so much um and are who are so grateful to even be where they are which is maybe not in the united states but closer or which is not in the united states but in a shelter but better than where they were you know and so that's when you see that gratitude of being in a situation where i'm sure we were like whoa this is intense and they're happy like thank god i made it this far you know and so um so there are you know some pretty significant obstacles on the news the word caravan came up a lot uh you've have you met a lot of people who traveled with the caravan through your experience of going down to the border and the shelters? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think one thing that's important and I've heard a lot of people um, talk about when we go down, which is, you know, caravans have been happening like since the beginning of time, right? We have had caravans that have come from, you know, where humanity started in Africa. We had caravans that went out. So that is a very common way to travel, especially you know, for women and children who are trying to make a journey, coming by themselves is scary. And so joining a group, um, I think, gave people the feeling of safety and security uh, to feel like they weren't alone. We meet a lot of unaccompanied minors, you know, who come by themselves. I remember at the YS- uh, YMCA shelter, yes, there were a lot of um, unaccompanied minors. Yeah, and they, were, they joined the caravan because they don't want to come alone and they're scared. Um, and so we've definitely met people who've come on the caravan and, and truly it was the, the main objective was to be safe in a group. Um, and I think, you know, it's, (laughs) I kind of say, you know, when, when the narrative out there is we're going to build a wall and we want to be safe or we're going to close borders or you know, it's kind of like saying there's this really popular party that's going to be really hard to get into. So mm-hmm. everyone tries to go to this party at once. Right. And you're trying to like, oh, my God, I don't know what's going to happen. It's that uncertainty that I think sort of has created a little bit of like a fervor and 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 whatnot. And and we've had many caravans while we've all been around and conscious. And again, I think it's like, what is the narrative that out there that's out there? And that's a narrative that makes people feel fearful and be able to sort of say like, oh, that sounds like scary and, you know, I don't like it. And so, you know, I think what we need to say is like, this has been kind of happening always. You're just more aware of it now. And um, yeah. Uh, We've been able to visit the shelters in Tijuana, uh, but have you been back to any of the centers on in this side of the border where the kids are being separated from their families? Have there been have they been reunited? Are those numbers down? Do you know from what you've seen? Yeah. I mean, um, well, Kayla just came last week. I don't know if you want to talk about the shelter we went to in San Diego. It was, um, it's going to be hard for me to talk about, to be honest. Um, it was very eye opening because you hear so many different stories, but then to actually see it it, with your own eyes, all the cots lined up and people just to sleep on it and just grateful to have a cot to themselves. And, the uh, kitchen, which was stocked, which is good and had great food. We were bringing them a lot of food as well. But just you could just see how lost they all felt and how I think that was a center where they stayed one night right before they were then distributed. That's to a waypoint hopeful- shelter. What is it called? It's called a waypoint shelter. Okay. It's run by Jewish Family Services, which I think is is also just so amazing um, because, you know, the Jewish community is not affected at this point right now with what's happening but I think they feel very aligned with understanding um you know being sort of cast out and or singled out and um they've really stepped up this one shelter is literally run by Jewish Family Services and it's it's really incredible in terms of that and um you know I I went to um immigration court the other day speaking of that, and um, just to observe and, um, if you know, it's a right to go observe what's happening. It's an open proceeding. Um, and so there were kids who were coming from um, shelters who they're trying to find their parents, you know, and that's, I think that's like, again, people think it's over, it's not happening, we've figured it out, we solved the problem, and the truth is, 
I think there's still like 2,000 kids, I want to say, who or 2,800 who were separated. And I don't know how many have been reunited up to this point. I think there was, uh, I read a news report today that said um, one of the first people who had been separated was just reunited after, you know, I think it was like seven months and that um, their child like stopped calling them dad. <laughs> I mean, that was crazy to me. I was like, wow, that's intense. Um, and they had like forgotten how to speak their native dialect and, you know, all these things that um, really it's emotional trauma, you know. Um, and when we think about, you know, I mean, we just had a conversation before, before we went started on the podcast, which was like, you know, can I leave my, you know, 10 year old for two minutes to get a coffee? Right. <laughs> like, what's the right age for the five minute whatnot? And, and we're talking about kids younger than that, like not having their parents for months at a time and they're each being held at separate facilities. And, and what does that do to somebody for literally the rest of their life? Mm. Hard. What's the next step for This Is About Humanity? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, you know, I think there are a couple things that I've realized are so crucial in this situation. Um, a, which is obviously education, keeping the conversation going, I think is so important. So whether it's by continuing to take trips, um, hosting speakers to come talk about what's happening, who are intimately involved. Um, we did an event with Goop a couple weeks ago, which was great, where we had um, Lindsay Toslowski, who is the executive director of Immigrant Defenders Law Center, which is a nonprofit legal um, outfit that helps represent um, children who are kind of in the middle of this crisis, a lot of the separated children as well. Um, the second thing I've realized is that um, how crucial it is to have legal representation in this situation. So a lot of the fundraisers that we do and a lot of the money that we raise goes specifically to provide um, the legal services to these families or to these children. MDEF specifically has a family unity project that we've helped fund that focuses on reunited, reuniting parents and their children. It's called MDEF? MDEF, Immigrant Defenders Law Center. Um, we'll have that in our notes for yes. you listeners. And it's, it's um, you know, only, I think, I mean, I don't know what the statistic is, but I want to say it's like less than 10% of cases seeking asylum are approved even with legal counsel. And so, um, you know, you, like, you want to have an attorney when, you know, you turned right and you made a mistake, right? And here we're talking about someone's um, future of their life and safety. Um, so I think really supporting legal services are is really important. Um, and also, you know, just keeping the conversation going. You know, we're we're in a in a world where, you know, everything seems overwhelming, but at the end of the day, you know, you might have one thing that you really care about. And I, and I always encourage people to like, like, it doesn't have to be immigration. It doesn't have to be, this is about humanity. It can be whatever you want it to be. Um, but you know, go in deep with that. Cause we all have our own gifts and talents of, of things that we can do, ways we can activate our network. I think a lot of the success, if you can call it that of this is about humanity is because people who know myself or Yolanda or Zoe, see how hard we're working and see how much we care and want to support that. And so show up, right? They show up for things. Mm -hmm. um, and so if there's something that, you know, whether it's women's rights, LGBT rights, you know, gun control, um, you know, mass incarceration, whatever it is, if there's something that you truly care about and you can um, find different ways to activate around it, people in your network will show up because they'll be like, wow, you guys really care about this and we want to support you. And so, I think that's really, for me, the message is like, you don't have to, you know, align with this particular issue specifically, but, you know, we all are empowered to do something and, and, you know, one person can't do everything, but you can do something, you know? And so I think that that's really probably the most important thing that I want people to think about. You guys also partnered with The Little Market and you have a candle that is amazing. Um, and so we'll have that on our Candace Kayla Instagram to swipe up and shop. 
And you can support This Is About Humanity through that purchase. Yes. Yes. It's it's uh, it's a great candle. And actually, the candle is made by, you know, like Burmese refugee women. And so, you know, you're supporting a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And uh, Little Market's a great organization that supports marginalized uh, communities and women and empowers them to be able to, um, you know, have more independence. Um, and, and that's the other thing is, is through this work, you sort of learn about other things organizations other people that are doing interesting things and you know you just figure out all the ways that you can sort of align and and work together and and then you're like okay like this is good like there are people who want to do good and and we can partner and we can spread the word and we can do all these things so that's that's amazing and where can our listeners learn more about this is about humanity you can follow us on instagram at this is about humanity or go visit our website this is about humanity.com And, you know, I think that a lot of times people are like, well, I don't, you know, I'm not Candace or Kayla or I don't have like famous friends or I I don't live in LA or, you know, there are all these little things that people feel like, well, I'm sort of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm discounted from being able to participate. And the bottom line is, you know, we need people everywhere to, you know, just talk to that one person or maybe find out, you know, how does your congressperson feel about what's happening or your Mm -hmm. senator if you feel politically inclined or, you know, um, what's happening in my community? Are there families who have been relocated to where I live who, you know, are receiving services through either like Catholic charities? A lot of times churches um, are super involved in what's happening in in this uh, particular situation. Um, You know, is there a family that lives near you that might be undocumented? Someone you go to school with, you don't, you might not even know, um, that there are a lot of people in your community who are particularly affected by this situation. And so I think even if you can start to just look deeper and harder, I'm pretty sure you'll find different ways that you can engage in your community. Also, thank you so much for joining us again. We love you. Love you too. (laughs) I'm so grateful she came back because that conversation we just had with her was fairly similar to the live podcast. Um, but man, she just has so many great stories and such a wonderful perspective. And the thing about our organization that's so great is it really just is about helping the humanity, the humanity. It's a humanitarian organization. And I'm so happy to have sat down with her and talked. We, we definitely, even though this is a very politically charged time, I think actually it's always a politically charged time. (laughs) What am I talking about? Um, and I know we've kind of wanted to stay away from talking about politics on this podcast Mm -hmm. uh, because we wanted this to be a safe space just to talk about things that make us feel good or that scares us. But honestly, having this conversation was scary in the beginning Mm -hmm. and because I didn't know how to talk about it. I didn't know how to talk about the border crisis. I didn't know how to talk about families being separated. I didn't know how to talk about it in my own home with my own kids. Um, And I definitely didn't know how to talk about it on a podcast. So Mm -hmm. I'm really grateful. Kayla, you introduced me to Elsa and because you actually went on one of the earlier trips with her. Yeah. When I first heard something was happening, she had posted on Instagram, you know, I'm receiving donations and you know they will actually make it to the kids because I'm going to hand deliver them. And I just called her and said, how can I help? And she was legitimately just like packing bags on her hands and knees and said, I mean, I don't really know yet, but stay tuned and I'll let you know. And I'm such a fan of hers because she really takes issues that she believes in and just creates an organization and does something about it. And um, I think that's what we love so much about her is she makes topics that seem scary to talk about more approachable. And um, I think that's what we tried to do here today. And I'm hoping our listeners received a little bit more of a perspective on the whole situation. Especially at a time when, as we spoke about, that clickbait and and the headlines of news and where do you get news that you can trust and that isn't just totally one-sided. I remember last season when we sat down with Caitlin Crosby, who's the uh, owner of The Giving Keys, talking about um, charity and organizations and giving back. And I've definitely been open about the fact that sometimes I get a little frustrated by just a hashtag. I want to do more than that. Mm -hmm. And even though I know I should see the power in a hashtag and in a movement and what that can do in today's society and how quickly the internet can spread the word and and bring people together. Um, But I loved the opportunity to work with this. uh, This is about humanity and to actually just 
meet people and hug people and hear their stories and look into their eyes. And that's what really gets lost, sadly, in the shuffle is the stories behind these people and mm-hmm. um, the humanity. Mm-hmm. Exactly. She nailed it with that name. This is about humanity. So you guys go to their socials, check it out at this is human- at this is about humanity on um, Instagram and this is about humanity.com. We will also have all of that in our show notes and um, they're receiving donations. There's so many ways you can help. So check it out and become part of the community. And thank you so much for continuing to be a part of our community. Uh, we have so many great episodes lined up for you guys for our season two. So stay tuned. We will see you next week we're back with an all new episode of directionally challenged an aura smart frame is the perfect gift for parents who are constantly asking you to send more photos instantly share photos from your phone to their frame and enjoy unlimited family photo sharing set so a new family photo appears every time mom walks into a room instantly brightening their day head to auraframes.com that's a u r a and use offer code challenge at checkout for fifty dollars off own iconic luxury items at unreal values with the real real the leading reseller of authenticated luxury from top designers at up to 90 percent off retail every item is authenticated by the real reels team of experts and new arrivals come in daily new customers receive an automatic 25 dollars off at checkout shop in store online or download the app and get 20 percent off select items with the promo code real the real promo code real Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com